Hello, coffee lovers. <clears throat> JR with Third Day Coffee Seguin, and it's Friday. It's 1900, so that means you're about to get the next installation or installment or whatever they call it of the God Country Coffee video podcast. Today, my guest uh, is a United States Army um, Cobra pilot, and uh, he couldn't be here right now, so he came earlier today. We recorded it, and what I'm going to do is while I'm here, I'm going to play the um, um, the recording for you. A couple of things. The Prey Hat, J.D. Tierney with Get Southpaw, uh, Southpaw Laser Concepts. Thank you uh, for the awesome hat. And uh, I'm not wearing my my polo today, but, but that's all right. Um, I hope you guys can, um, if you have any problems hearing or if the volume doesn't sound right, please, uh, please uh, write something in the comments. Chris, how you doing, brother? Um, so we've had a busy week. We went up to Dallas yesterday and picked up another grinder because one grinder wasn't enough. And uh, that's a great problem to have. Um, and so uh, we're growing, and, and and I've got four people here tonight that are helping with uh, bagging and grinding while I'm goofing off in here. But this is definitely part of um, uh, our um, part of our game plan. You know, we're we're going to do all aspects of of the coffee. So thank you for uh, letting us know that the sound is good and uh, welcome. And again, my guest tonight, his name is Don Phillips. Uh, he's a gentleman that I've known from church for many years. Uh, I didn't know for the whole time we've lived out here that he lived just literally right down the street. Uh, he's less than two miles. He's right where our street uh, turns off onto the main. And uh, he lives right there on his little uh, farm. And so uh, without further ado, I'm gonna I'm gonna load the uh, program here so you guys can watch uh, me and Don interact. And again, thank you for watching. Please uh, do watch parties, share it, uh, let everybody. Um, uh, we're doing this on YouTube also, so please go to our YouTube um, and like they say, like, share, and subscribe. And so I'm gonna go ahead and share this now, and we'll get started there. See, how do I do this? Because I'm learning. Okay, there's that. Oh, where did it go? Okay, there we go. Hello, coffee lovers. JR with Third Day Coffee Seguin and my guest, the infamous uh, Don Phillips. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably famous in some places, but we're not sure. And so before we get started with our interview, um, one of the things that we're going to do is we want you to keep uh, our friend Will and Barbara Davis and their children in your prayers. Uh, we just ask that God just wrap them up in love right now. Um, their house burned down this last week. And uh, Don, knows, Don knows Will very well, and so do I. And so we just ask that you... Uh, that you keep that a Davis family in your prayers uh, as, as we will. Uh, before we get started with the interview, I'm gonna play a short video uh, that features Don.
my name is Don Phillips. I was a captain at the time in Vietnam flying slick, uh, Cobra, excuse me. We were at first at uh, Camp Fenzel Joan as Delta Troop, and then we moved out to uh, Lake Hay, uh, and they changed their designation to F Troop. Uh, I became the platoon commander out there with the Cobras and uh, flew, I don't know how many hours, lots and lots of hours, and and I really enjoyed it. And uh, we really, as, as best you can, like hey, it was a good place to be. We enjoyed that. My tail number was, uh, my aircraft was the Warlord, A25. He, uh, my crew chief was a young black boy by the name of Carolina, and I'd just love to get a hold of him. What a fine young man. No, we flew, uh, at first we were floating uh, and uh, doing the Rangers. We supported the Rangers. When we were at uh, Camp Fendel Jones, and a little bit after we moved to Lake, and we had LERPs as well, and then we did support the Arvins. But uh, a lot of our mission was with the, with our LERPs, our, our Blues. Oh, uh, we weren't we weren't particularly happy that they had taken us away from uh, the 25th Infantry Division. They moved us when they changed us to the F Troop. We were part of the First Brigade, First Aviation Brigade. Uh, but I still consider myself a 25th Infantry guy, yeah. no, no matter. Did they ask you about changing the Centaur call sign or anything? They, they mentioned that, I think, and when it was a complete mix, we weren't going to get rid of our Centaur designation. Okay, hang on a second, folks. I I totally botched that up. Give me just one second here. Let me reload. Hello, coffee lovers. Jr. with Third Day Coffee. You for uh, for coming today. It was a complete mix. We weren't going to get rid of our centaur designation. Okay. So that was just a short, uh, I'm going to let Don introduce himself because uh, uh, I'll probably mess it up if I try to do, uh, try to pull anything out of my memory. But <laughs> first, uh, Don, I want to thank you for, uh, for coming today and uh, sitting down and talking with us. Uh, again, this podcast is God Country Coffee. It's for the purpose of um, promoting the third day coffee Seguin mission. Uh, and, and our mission truly is to uh, serve the community in a Christ-like fashion. And so uh, we're patriots, and a lot of us are veterans, 
uh, including myself. My wife actually served in the Texas State Guard. And obviously, Don flew one of the fine aircraft that's uh, that's in our background here. And so, Don, would you give us a full introduction? Well, first of all, thank you for having me. And uh, by the way, this coffee I've been drinking is, is very good. And I want to put my two cents on Will and Barbara with the kids. And I'm just I'm sick about their loss and of their home and, and all their belongings. So we got to ask everyone to keep them in their prayers. I was born in in West Texas, out uh, on a ranch in West Texas uh, in 1941. We had uh, we I lived on a ranch that's 14 sections. We raised cattle and sheep, and uh, I knew the Lord and and became a Christian at an early age. Uh, my mother and father both passed away. My mother was killed in an accident when I was six. My dad died of brain tumor when I was eight. And an uncle, uh, who was a brother of my father's and his wife, took us and and uh, raised us, and and they were Christians too. So we were very happy with that. Um, I got in the army. Well, I, we we had a bad drought in West Texas in for a number of years in the fifties, and uh, we, my brother and I, bought a place in Arkansas, and I I wasn't particularly happy there, but. We spent we spent the six years in Arkansas, and I got out as soon as I could. But don't get me wrong; there's some really fine people in Arkansas. We did well in Arkansas. It's just it just wasn't West Texas. So uh, when I finished high school, I first got in the guard. I spent six years as enlisted man and, and on active duty too, and then went to OCS and became an officer. And I and I think it's important. To me, it's very important for an officer to have the experience as an enlisted person to know what it's all about. Uh, and I do. And I, and I, I, as a commander, I got in trouble so many times for trying to take care of my people. Uh, I was called in on the carpet and I would always stand up for my people. And, and I believe in that. And I think it's a, it's a God thing. And, and, uh, I, I would, I wouldn't take for, from my experiences, really. Let me ask you a question. We're going to back up just a little bit. Uh, you said you grew up on a ranch with 14 sections? Yes, sir. That's 600 and some odd acres a section, right? 640 acres per section. Wow. Yes, sir. And so what happened to that ranch after your parents passed away? Well, we we owned part of that, and my grandfather owned part of it. And when he passed away, there were nine of those kids, and it was all split up. With the with all the the uh, children of that family, uncles and aunts, so that and plus the drought made it necessary for us to do something different. Right, and that's when we bought a place. We bought a place that I can't remember four hundred and some acres in Arkansas, and you'd have thought we had the King Ranch over there. <laughs> I mean it, it was it was big. They they have forty acre plots, so many of them, you know, and and. Uh, it was really difficult to get used to that country because it's all piney woods and, and we ran cattle and it was it was tough taking care of them in that in that fine country in that. So, but it was it was it was experiences. I, I it was good and I learned a lot. But uh, I don't want to go back to Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> so, so back to the army. You, uh, what was your first duty station? When I first went in, I was at. Uh, uh, Fort, uh, well, Fort Knox, and then, uh, 
I was at uh, also at at uh, what is it? Uh, what is it? Columbus, uh, Georgia. Uh, gee, well, I can't remember now. But I was at Columbus, Georgia, and was there many times. Now I can't remember it. My mind's gone blank. And then when I was commissioned, I went to uh, uh, Port Gordon in in northern and Augusta, Georgia, and had my first command up there. And pardon me, I've got a eye I just had operated on. It's getting drive me crazy. So anyway, uh, I applied for a flight school as soon as I got up there, and and it took a while. And I had a had a command and, and a basic training unit for a couple of years up there. It was an experience for sure doing that. And then I went to flight school. And what yeah. year did you graduate flight school? Ooh, sixty uh, nine, I guess sixty nine. And did, did you get deployed to Vietnam immediately, or I went? I we had I had to get a Cobra transition. When we started flying, at that time we did our primary helicopter training at Fort Walters in uh, uh, in in Texas, and uh, then when you finished your second, got into your final phase, you went to Fort Rucker, Alabama, and you finished that that you were you got your wings and were. As, as a pilot and then uh, I wanted I got a transition to the Cobra and I had to go down to uh, oh, shoot southeast Georgia and and uh, do the transition to the Cobra and then I was straight to Vietnam now what did you train in? did you train in the UH-1 Bell we well, I trained in the Bell at that time they had two different aircraft there they had a little uh Another little one there, and but the Bell's what I trained in, and then we got to uh, Fort Rucker. We did instrument training in the Bell, and then got into the Hueys. Nice, and that was quite a deal to get into the Hueys. Some of the turbine engine that uh, you don't have to. If people don't know about flying a recip reciprocating engine in helicopter, the throttle control is all over here on that on that collective, which is the up and down thing, and and you don't. You and when you get in a turbine aircraft, uh, it controls the, the uh, RPMs for you, so that's a good thing. So nice. it, it was, that was quite a, quite a different thing, you know. And then the Cobra transition was just I'd been wanting to fly a Cobra forever, and so that was a good thing for me. I remember seeing them uh, at one of the air shows when I was little, and I'm not trying to age you or anything, but uh, our dad used to take us all the time to the air shows, and uh, uh, dad was about Five years older than you. He was born in '36. Okay, and uh, and so he uh, he in some hangar somewhere. He was a he was a CI counterintelligence guy, and um, he saw a UH-1 Bell long before the public ever saw him. Mm -hmm. And uh, and anyway, uh, I he used to take us to the air shows all the time. Oh yeah, I saw this in Germany. And I saw that somewhere. <laughs> and uh, I remember seeing those Cobras, and they just looked like. I mean, they were so lean, but they were so maneuverable. You yeah. know, it was just an amazing aircraft. Yeah, they really were. I, I, of course, they're gone now, but uh, when they bought the Apache on, I was hoping I'd still be around, but I didn't get to fly it. <laughs> That's the new one. But the Cobra was the, the Cadillac of the bunch at the time. Uh, it's interesting uh, that it had an air conditioning unit. It had an air conditioner because it had this closed cockpit. Okay. And... 
the military couldn't call it an air conditioner, so they called it an ACU. And it's ACU, Environmental Control Unit, you know. So, <laughs> so you could not call it an air conditioner. <laughs> but if that thing wasn't working in Southeast Asia, you got in that cover with that glass cockpit, it was plenty hot. And you couldn't open the, open the windows at all. Wow. So it was, it was pretty, neat, pretty neat. Had no vents or anything? It had, it had vents, you, but, but you blowing in the hot air off it. Off that humidity in Vietnam was tough. So. <laughs> and how long were you in country? I was over there for a year. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so after the after the uh, tour in Vietnam, did you you stayed in the military, right? Yes. What was your career like after Vietnam? Well, I still flew for a, a good while. Uh, I was I went to Fort Sill, Oklahoma, and they had it. They were gearing up a unit to uh, do shooting demonstrations for the artillery. That's where the artillery branch is located in Fort Sale, Oklahoma. And so we did those those uh, demonstrations for those people and it wasn't it wasn't nearly as, as exciting as Vietnam, but <laughs> <laughs> it was a job. <laughs> so I was an XO there. I wasn't a commander, but I was the executive officer. So it was different for sure. And then uh was that your last? Was that your last? No, then I, then I had then. Unfortunately, when you get promoted, they, you know they want to take your wings away, and you, you can still do some flying for a while. But uh, I ended up in in a division headquarters, and it was this wasn't the same. Not, you know, I when they take your wings away and you're flying flying paper and you know pushing paper instead of an aircraft, it's quite different. I bet, but it's a necessary evil, I guess. Right. What year did you uh, did you finally retire from the army? In '93. Wow. Okay. Long time. So you had a long career in the army, and then after that, did you did you enter the civilian sector? Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. I did do that, and I uh, flew aircraft for a long. I got my fixed wing rating after I finished out of the army, and uh, flew uh, aircraft, and you know for different companies okay corporate pilot awesome and it was fun stuff it really was we got to go to some neat places and it's not like the stand in line get into the airport deal i mean <laughs> people don't understand that when you're flying your own aircraft you you pull up you go out to the airplane in your car unload your stuff out of the car your clothes etc park the vehicle get in your airplane and get your you get your uh, clearance and you go and when you get to where you're going, you get go get you a car and come out and pick it up. And, you know, uh, that that this commercial flying thing is just it's just hard on me. <laughs> I bet after after that, I mean, that's like for that's like uh, what business big businesses that have mm-hmm. corporate pilots. corporate jets and things like that. Yeah, that's awesome. And so, was that your final career before you finally just decided to be Don Phillips retired? Old and old and cranky. So, <laughs> that's kind of it. <laughs> so uh, I, I met you through church. I met Don through church uh, uh, after Sutherland Springs. Um, we um, started. I don't know what the proper word is because I don't want to say it wrong. But um, let me back up a little bit. So Don was instrumental, and and I want you to talk about this because I don't know. We've never really talked. I don't know how you had a hand in it but yeah. don um so churches cannot 
you uh, you can't carry your weapon at a church. Most churches have the proper signage 0607 outside their church. You cannot conceal carry. You're not supposed to open carry, obviously, uh, into a church. But Don had something to do with the legislation that allowed churches to organize a safety group, for lack of, I don't know if the proper term is right, uh, that uh, where you can have a group that trains and that um, is for the purpose of, you know, keeping the church safe. And so I'm going to let Don talk about it. I don't know how that happened or how you were involved, well, but it's very interesting. Off, uh, in the state of Texas, uh, the security people, had their hand and the control of all security and churches and everything. And because that was necessary for them to control it, it, it made it where a church, especially a small church, could not afford to go and hire a security person and a security firm every time the doors were open. It became just couldn't handle it. So I went to the legislator here, the, my Texas representative was uh, uh, in Seguin, and he got with another person, and I asked them to do something about making it legal for churches to, in fact, have a, have their weapons and can, can have a security force. And they got that legislation passed in the state of Texas so that it was it was okay for churches to have a security force. We couldn't call ourselves security. We could call ourselves whatever, but they were picky about what you called yourself. And that got done, and so consequently, we were able to have a, whatever you want to call us, but we were security, security but you can't say that. Yeah. <laughs> we, and we, and it was very good that we were able to do that. And we had some good people. I was really happy and proud of our people at the church, and we did some good training, J.R. You remember We that. did. We did some and, really good. And it's, it's uh it's so necessary that, and so we, a lot of people don't understand, but when you go to get your concealed carry license, they want you to go out and shoot and prove you can shoot, but you don't really learn anything. Right. And I, and I'm so, I, I'm, I'm so happy that state of Texas has the law that we can do that, but that doesn't teach you to be safe and secure with a weapon. So we did some grenade range training and really learned some things, and, and it was really good, and, I, and I'm proud of that fact. Yeah, we also did some training at church, too. Yes, we in did. In the building. Yes, we did. Uh, and, and I know that's really critical, too, because uh, in a situation where uh, there's other people, lots of innocent people involved, uh, even the security people or the safety people have to be aware uh, of where their bullets are going. That's correct. You know, and so uh, we didn't just do training at the range, um, and we had qualified people that, are, that have certifications and all kinds of stuff that we that we trained with. Mm -hmm. And so it was a very organized. Um, you know, it's really hard though. Um, it's really hard to ask. You know, there's certain people like Don, like Will Davis. Uh, there was a you know quite a few others that that. That was fine. They were perfectly okay with that. But there's a lot of people like I, I spent my entire time in the Navy on a ship, and it was before 9/11. Mm -hmm. And you know, the biggest thing that we did was uh, we would play cat and mouse with the Russian subs because we mm -hmm. were a, mm -hmm. our ship was a, a sub uh, uh, hunter, I guess you could call it, for lack of better words. But um, 
And so I, I don't, you know, the whole, I don't know what would happen if bullets started flying. I mean, I've trained for it and I can handle my weapons and I'm safe with them. But, um, you know, uh, even some of my friends, uh, one of my friends, Tony Calderon, he said, you know, you're, you don't know until that first shot's fired at you. That's really true, Jr. And, 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 um, I live that and people don't know, and you don't know, even, even as an individual, you don't know what's going to happen to you when that first round comes. Uh, I was shot at hundreds and hundreds of times, but the first few times is in, in combat, it's deafening, it's scary. And it's, uh, it's, it's really frightening. So that was something that I had a lot of concern about with the, with, with our security force at the church, because you can talk big and you can say this and say that, but when the first round flies and the first round, when the first noise of a round fires, you don't know what you're going to do. I can tell you that for sure. Cause it's, it's you might uh, get hurt by me running you over so I can go well, hide somewhere. That, <laughs> that, that, that thing I'm telling you, it's, it's people just don't know. You can try to get yourself ready for it, but you know, God's in control. We know that, but still, yeah, Everybody's, there's bad people in this world. Yes, there are bad people in this world. And so uh, that's one of the reasons. But I think that's really interesting too. And and uh, Don, we didn't know. Uh, I've we've lived here for I guess seven or eight years now, and uh, uh, I've known Don most of that time. Mm -hmm. uh, and I didn't know that he lived right at the end of the street. <laughs> He wouldn't talk to me is what the truth is, you know. <laughs> you know. One day I saw him come down the street in his in his Polaris with his dog in the back. And uh, I was like, Don, what are you doing on the street? You know, and, and so you grew up around here though, right? No, well, uh, well I, spent, I spent 30 years here. Yeah. And this, this road, uh, pardon me, I dropped my phone. This road used to be just out in the pasture. I, and I rode horses back here. I've had horses and I do a, a competition called cutting horse. Um, but anyway, I'd ride for exercise from my horses. I'd ride all the way back here to the end of this, the end of this road, <laughs> right where he lives. There was nothing back here. And, uh, there were some unusual and strange things that happened back here on this road before, <laughs> before you moved in. And, uh, I had to get the drug enforcement of these people out here one time at the end of this road. It was pretty interesting. But yeah, but I'm glad that Jr. is my neighbor. He's a good man, and and he and Connie, and we love him. We're glad to be a part of it. Let me ask you a little bit about your family now. Uh, when did you meet Judy, and when did you get married? I met Judy, and uh, it's my second marriage. And I got married in '75. Don't tell her I don't remember for sure, but I think it's '75. <laughs> and she tells me it's 45 years. And uh, she had two children, and I had two children. She had a boy and a, and a girl, and I have two, two girls. Uh, her daughter is the oldest of her two. She, they live over in New Braunfels, close by, and the son lives in Austin. And my two daughters with their children live in Oklahoma City. So we, uh, we keep in touch, and we're all good family, and so it's a good thing. That's awesome. Yeah. And so... Um what are you doing these days to fill your time? Trying to stay out of trouble with my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do that, dog. <laughs> no, I've still got horses, and uh, I don't ride as much as I used to. I used to do cutting horse competition. It was just a lot of fun. Um, I've never, I've never taken drugs in my life, but 
uh, I can imagine because cutting horse riding a cutting horse is addictive and I and I would think that might be <laughs> something like drug people I don't know like I say I don't know but riding a cutting horse and I've ridden horses all my life yeah I mean when I was a little bitty guy I was riding horses and when I started riding cousin cutting horses and if anybody is listening that knows about them you know that you learn to ride altogether differently than you've ridden before on the regular stock saddle so it's it's a lot of fun so um let's see what is probably who's the most influential person of your life whether it's young life whether it's later on i don't know there are lots i guess there are several um my dad which who died was died when i was uh, eight um I remember very well what a good Christian he was, and that's that's a good thing for me. I'm happy and proud of that. And then my uncle that ran, he and his wife, and you know, my uncle was a Christian, and so it's it's been a good thing having Christians around. And, and you know, and I, I'm not proud of the fact that during my wild years that I strayed and didn't do anything real terribly bad, but I did things that I'm not, I'm not proud of, and. Yeah, I'm so I'm so glad that God forgives. Yeah, aren't we? I mean, we are just so blessed to have a God that loves us so much that He looks past uh, all of our junk because we all have a lot of junk. Yeah, and and uh, trying to trying to really, really realize that He forgives. And uh, yeah, He doesn't keep score. The Bible tells us specifically that He does not uh, keep track of those. And you know what the beautiful thing is? Is you know we're going to see these people again. Absolutely. And uh, and uh, that's a promise, you know, that is a curious. You know, I had John on the show last week, our first show, and, uh, you know, that guy's explosive. You know John very well. And, uh, but yeah, he was key, and uh, I was, had a hard time when Dad passed. I mean, mm -hmm. I just couldn't get over it. Mm -hmm. And uh, the first year, almost a whole year uh, that Dad was gone, Mom would call almost daily. And hey, can you come look at this? And can you come fix this? And can you? And I didn't even think about it. Like, yeah, I'll be right, I'll be over after work, you know. And so I would go from here to, you know, leave at three thirty in the morning, get to work, do my job, and then I would go to mom's and work there till you got, you know, who knows what time, and then come home. And and by the end of the year, I was pretty exhausted. And um, and that's when I realized that I hadn't really surrendered my life. And uh, it was through that process because I I. I I heard John speak at, at church mm -hmm. one Wednesday and then he was gone again. I guess he went back to Madagascar mm -hmm. to finish up what he was doing over there. And I had talked to JK and I wanted to talk to John. And so when John came back, we met up and uh, he's like, you either believe the word of God or you don't. And if you don't, it's because you haven't surrendered your life completely. Cause if you had surrendered your life, you would know, you know, that without you know. a doubt that the Bible is 100% true. Absolutely. And, uh, and you wouldn't be worried about whether you're going to see your dad again or not. And it just, the light bulb came on. I was like, wow, I don't like you. I love you, but I don't like you right now. Yeah. You know, because I was, uh, I just, re you know, it was a, it was a, uh, you know, like a, what do they say, deafening silence. Mm -hmm. uh, it was just one of those moments where I realized I wasn't where I thought I was. Yeah. And a lot of us grow up, I don't know about how you grew up, but I, I grew up very Catholic and I love my Catholic, you know, family and uh, incredible foundation that I built on. I got nothing bad to say about them. But uh, I didn't, I didn't, I grew up in church. 
Mm. I didn't grow up in Christ. Okay. And there's a difference, right? And yeah. so, um, but it's it's ironic because my mother, who is devoutly Catholic, but when I look at her life today, that woman's got a relationship. She wakes up every morning and she's in the Word, and she stays in the Word, and then before she goes yeah. to bed, she's in the Word. Good. And so she's spending all that time, and and that's relationship. When you spend time with somebody, that's a relationship. That's right. And so mom does that, and so does my sister. But good. you know they know it as as you know as their religion, and and I'm good. I mean I I know where my mom and sister are at, and I know where they're going to be. Yeah. And so I don't worry about that too much. But I didn't grow up that way, and so I I had no clue. And and I I ran amok, Don. I when I got divorced, I was into drugs and alcohol. I did it all, I, not all of it, but. I did a lot of it, <laughs> and so uh, I was probably drinking a half a gallon uh, every two days, three days, and I was doing a lot of uh, methamphetamine and and marijuana, just whatever I get my hands on. And um, and I look back now where I'm at, you know, being completely redeemed and being saved and knowing where I'm going. And I look back now, and I and I look back at that Jr. and I. I wish I could go back and tell him, dude, there is hope. Because that's what, that's what I was doing. I was hopeless. Mm-hmm. I was trying to find hope at the bottom of a bottle or, you know, at, at the end of some drugs. And, and it, it just never filled the. Well, and, you, and you're thinking about, and, and I remember when I was not doing th- things that I should do for the Lord. Uh, uh, you wish that you could go back and change those years and, and recoup and, and uh, show people. A better way and I and I do that too and uh, I I'm certainly not proud of myself I'm not even proud of myself now I just know that I'm a a sinner waiting for the Lord to help me I just I need it all the time that's right I'm the same way and I'm just so thankful that we have a God that that loves us so much that he lets all the trash that we bring to him go and uh, and and it was a let me tell you it was a bad day when I realized that everything that I had done in my life is what put him on that cross. Yeah. It was a bad day for me. It was a beautiful day, yeah. a perfect day. But by the same token, you know, just, I mean, I wept. Yeah. The day that I surrendered my life, I wept because I knew that my sin and that everything I had done in my life put my savior on that cross. Absolutely. And that was, that was a rough day, but it's, it's a good day. But you know it by yourself. That's right. <laughs> we all that and, you know, the, that's one thing. My favorite verse is Joshua 1 and 9. And it's, uh, you know, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with you wherever thou goes. And that just means that no matter if your family abandons you, if your friends abandon you, if everybody in your world turns their back to you, you are still not alone. God is there. And uh, that's that's my favorite you know, my other favorite one is John 15 and 13, which is greater love hath no man okay. than he would give up his life for a friend. And, and those are favorites, too. And, and I've got a lot of them, but uh, it's an unusual one of the verses that I like very much is Isaiah 6, 8. And it's it talks about if the Lord is looking for someone to go and it, it, it says, send me, Lord. Ooh, send that's, me. A, that's a good one. I'm there now, right? We all are, because uh, I'm just so thankful. I mean, everything that that we've every, the whole coffee business, 
you know, came up from men getting together, talking about God mm-hmm. and drinking coffee. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so uh, Robert O'Connor is the one who said, you know, this is uh, this is a business mm-hmm. and, a, and a mission waiting to happen. And I said, man, I, I was talking about, you know, I don't know nothing about coffee. I know how I like coffee. <laughs> and so, uh, but, you know, we prayed about it. And God has just uh, truly blessed us with uh, people that, that know the coffee industry. Well, it's interesting that uh, I don't know anything about coffee, but you taught me a lot about coffee in the last little while. And I, it's interesting. I, there's a lot to it. Yeah. And I'll, I'll have you know, like uh, the one Don is enjoying today is uh, our Strong and Courageous, which is our, uh, it's a blend of Rwandan and Ethiopian beans. Uh, that's Connie's favorite coffee. Uh, and she wants me to do it without mesquite, so it's going to be the next. Uh, okay, that may just be for her private reserve. I don't know. Private reserve. <laughs> and then, uh, and then I'm drinking the. Uh, well, I'm almost done with it, but uh, I'm drinking the Revelation, uh, sixteen and eight, which is um, a high caffeine um, light roast. Okay, and it's got some. It's a blend, also. It's not a hundred percent. The most of the beans that we buy, we buy from Legacy Farms Coffee. They're out of Honduras. Uh, the owner, Ashley Williams, and his wife, Julia, and their, and their two boys, they live up in, in Mount Ridge, Kansas, and they're doing incredible missionary work, uh, and all their beans are, are uh, they're just incredible. And this year, we were able to buy some beans from some of their workers Good. who they've been helping and supporting, and, and uh, their goal this year uh, is to build a church and be able to have enough money to staff it full-time with a pastor Good. on Good. their farm. And so, uh, you know, we really try to, you know, support the people. And, you know, I don't care if it's the cheapest coffee that I don't want the cheapest coffee I can find, you know, uh, because I know that if you do that, then you're more than likely got a big company that's going down taking advantage of you. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, we definitely don't don't approve of that. And we don't want to. Um, quality. Yeah, it's all about it really is about quality. And so. Uh, if you're looking for, you know, the $4 H-E-B coffee, well, there's $4 coffee at H-E-B. But uh, our coffee is specialty coffee. is classified specialty coffee. And uh, uh, we just sent some of our coffee with Ashley. He's going he's gonna to take it down with him to Honduras in January. Good. And he's going to have it cupped, and he's going to have it uh, tested for caffeine content. And, and so we might be able to, to say that we're – more caffeinated than some of the other brands out well, there. That's okay, yeah. It's so, uh, but that's something that, that's in the future. So, so Don, uh, give me one thing, piece of advice that you would give to other veterans. Um, you went to Vietnam. My uncle went to Vietnam. Uh, my uncle suffered for years and years, and just recently, he—I uh, say recently—it's been a few years now—but he found a group of other Vietnam veterans uh, that were in the same place he was. Uh, he was up north, not in the country, you know, mm-hmm. off to the side mm-hmm. over there. And so he, he, I, I've tried for years to talk to him, you know, to get him to just tell me something. And he gets really mad. And he's like, I'm not going to talk to you about this ever. And and then uh, he even told me one time, he says, most things that happened over there are not for general consumption of the public. Yeah, they don't understand. And, and so and I, I get that. You get that. I understand when when, when you tell me that. I know, don't ask. And I get it because I understand, uh, you know, I know what my dad, my dad suffered for years because uh, he had to, he had to kill somebody, he shot somebody uh, when he was on duty in Turkey and he knew the guy and the guy violated all the protocols. And mm-hmm. so, 
you know, the center said, man, you, you can't let him go. Any, you, we don't know if it's him. Yeah. And so, um, but I know that plagued him his whole life. What would you, what advice would you give to other veterans that, that might be suffering from whatever? It, it's interesting that you bring that up and I, I won't talk about it much and I might get upset, but anyway, when I came back from, and come Vietnam and even after I got out of service, I didn't, I wouldn't talk about it at all. I mean, nothing. Uh, you'd barely mention it to other veterans that you could talk to and they understood. And it was several years after I got out of the army that some of my pilot buddies got a hold of me of all things through my social security number and found out where I was and called and they called me. What a surprise and a shock. It had been 15 or 20 years. And so at that time, and like I say, I, I, until then I would never talk about it. So we got together and we talked uh, quite a bit and let some of that anxiety go. And um, I don't tell people anything much. I, my wife tries to get me to talk about it and I just can't and won't. And, uh, it's a deep, it's a deep hurt. And I don't know how to explain that. Uh, I, I, I guess that all veterans probably have that thing. Uh, do you reach out to those buddies still? I, do. Flew with? I talk to some of those yes, pretty regularly. And so that's that's a way that you deal with it. You it's kind of way to let it out. It is. Because you do things and had to do things and uh, that uh, you're not proud of. But uh, That's the life of the military. Our, our, our job, and I'll explain that right quick. And we, I flew the Cobra, and we had, we, our mission was reconnaissance. We flew two Cobras, the Red Birds, we called them, and a White Bird was a little reconnaissance helicopter down near top treetops. And they'd fly around and report back to us what they had found. And if, if and when they took fire from an enemy or whatever, we'd get them out of the area and shoot up the area and take care of business. And then, and so that was what we, we called it a pink team, white and red. And uh, that was a reconnaissance team in Vietnam, and that's what we did. That was our recruit crew mission. We had a lot of shooting missions and all that, but um, I I don't know how many how many thousands of rockets I shot and how many things that I did, good, bad, or indifferent. But uh, God was good to me. I took a lot of rounds, but I never did get shot down. So I'm happy with that. But we, we can talk. The guys that I flew with in Vietnam, we can talk about it Good. openly. And uh, and sometime I get down in the dumps and I'll get all puffy and all that, you know. And uh, I don't intend to, but sometimes it gets heavy on your mind. It really does. You know, I think that's really important um, to Doc, Dave, Doc Jocelyn. He's a. Um, Army combat medic did 20 years in the service and he's got a podcast and he's got some, uh, he sent me a paper that he wrote and some other things. And, and I, I listened to his podcast one day and one of the things that really stuck out to me, you know, everybody does the, and I got nothing against, I try to do the 22 push up thing and I'm so fat that four days after doing it, I hurt my back. And so I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't do it anymore. Uh, but 
I listened to one of his podcasts and he's like, this is, you know, he doesn't fault anybody for it. It's great. Thank you for doing it. You know, but what are you doing on day 23? What are you doing on day 24? And so, uh, you know, if you're out there, you're a veteran and and you're struggling with stuff, you know, Don Vietnam, he still talks to his Vietnam buddies. Why? Because he can relate to them. And so somebody's always willing to listen. And uh, although I don't have those experiences, uh, you know, if you just want to talk about nothing, I'll talk to you about nothing. But uh, somebody is always willing to talk to you. Someone is always willing to listen. And sometimes maybe that's that's what people need. They need someone to listen to them. Yeah, that's true. You know, and so and and I, I can't stress you can you can talk to me about this all day. This I'll talk to you about all day, but I can't stress how much God can take away all that pain and suffering. That's really true. And uh, and I know uh, when you know for a while when I got out, my knees were messed up, and the and I the VA was they had me on hydrocodone, you know, three four times a day, mm-hmm. uh, and they would send me ninety days of supply at a time, and um, it doesn't really do you any good, and they, they don't try to you know they. At that time, they weren't trying to fix the problem. And so I know how easy it is. Uh, you know, nowadays they give them out, you know, they give you, if you got anxiety or something like that, they'll give you a pill for that. And then it could cascade into something bigger. But ultimately, um, you know, God can take away a lot of the problems that cause the suffering in the first place. He really can. I ask for that help all the time. Oh, and it's amazing. I mean, we have a God who spoke the world into existence. Absolutely. You think he can't handle our little emotional problems? Yeah. <laughs> He's probably sitting there laughing at me all the time for being such a wimp. <laughs> he probably, <laughs> I, I probably, he's probably got a book on me somewhere that, <laughs> that I'm probably going to have to uh, look at eventually. <laughs> but I look forward to that day to be in his presence. I did. And, uh, I did. you know, we'll all be together uh, again. And so that's, Something that I definitely look forward to. Yeah, me too. Well, Don, is there any any words of wisdom that you'd like to? Uh... Well, first, I guess I need to explain to some people that are watching this can see my my my. I had perfect vision for all those years flying, and uh, I got glaucoma uh, and lost the sight in my left eye. And just yesterday, two days ago, they put a did a deal called a Gunderson flap on my left eye and I know it looks ugly and red and, and it is ugly and red and I'm sorry <laughs> I had to watch it but I just wanted you to know I just I just I just pray that uh, everyone listening especially if you don't know the Lord if you'd step up and ask for his help our country is in so much distress it has nothing to do with one one type of uh, a, a, a Republican or Democrat is just in a terrible stress, and and we need God's help so bad, and we need to get on our knees often so and pray true. for help. So true, absolutely. Um, you know, I've, I've said this before. I know you've all heard me say this before. I've had so many people tell me that I can't put God in front of my business, but the truth is. The real truth is that if I don't put God way out in front of my business, you don't have a business. I don't have a business. I don't have anything. Um, and so, and I believe that with all my heart. And, you know, last week, John talked about this thing where people who say that they don't believe in God and uh, he drew a circle and he said, this circle represents all knowledge, past, present, and future, everything that could ever be learned 
in all of eternity is that circle. And so you, you take some of the smartest people you know and tell them, I want you to draw a circle inside the circle of your knowledge. And he goes, and even some of the smartest people he knows will just do a little speck because they know that they don't, there's a ton of stuff they don't know. So if you look at that representation and you, and, and then he asks a question, so is it possible then in all of this knowledge and your knowledge is right here and all this other knowledge, is it possible that there's a God out there that you just don't know about? And, uh, and there is because I know him. I have a relationship with him. I have a relationship with a living God. And I can, you know, we can talk about stuff. I can tell you about things that have happened in our life. You know, uh, my wife tried to kill herself during Christmas one year. And when I got to the hospital, the doctor asked me point blank, do you believe in God? And I, I thought she had passed away. Uh, and I, I said, of course I do. And he said, well, that's good because I don't have any earthly reason why your wife is still alive. And so he showed me the science of why she should be dead. And, and then, uh, it was out of his hands too. It was. And when I left, I noticed that underneath his smock on his collar, he had a little cross. And so I knew that he knew that, you know, she was alive because God had a purpose for her. And so th that's a tough thing, you know, and, and let me tell you, it was a long time before Connie was able to talk about that. And she, she posted it publicly on Facebook one year. Mm -hmm. And so that's, um, you know, if you don't know God, I, I promise you that he's real. And I promise you that he can, that he can do things uh, that man and that medication can't do. It's true. Very true. I, I don't know if you can see this little bitty cross that I'm holding. It's, it's made out of horseshoe nails. Can you see it, J.R., you think? Here, let me put it up here, Bob. It's made out of horseshoe nails. And I've given, I don't know how many thousand of those away. I've given those to, to clerks in a store that's having a bad day at a, at a cashier stand or just people that I'm eating. You can tell that they're having a bad day. And I've given them one of these crosses and just tell them that God wants you. He loves you and wants you to have it. And I've had people cry like a baby. Well, that's a, that's a blessing too. You know, part of our package that we send coffee with people, uh, there's two pennies with a, with a cross punched out. Good. And uh, it says, it's kind of, we put a little tag, a little paper tag, and it says one to bless you and one to bless another. There you go. Good. And so they all have to cut that string, put one in their pocket, and give the other one to someone else. Good. And uh, you just never know what's going to start a conversation. You never know. And and all you're doing is just opening the door. That's right. Presenting it to them. And we have to be diligent about uh, sharing that with people because right now, like you say, we're in a bad way in this country. We are in a bad way. And it has nothing to do with politics or anything like that, but it has to do with the fact that, that not enough people uh, – are trusting God. None of people know the Lord. That's absolutely true. And, 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 you know, there's that old saying, you know, you got to dance with who brung you. And, and the Holy Ghost, the, 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 the Bible was in the first time they made a constitution, signed the constitution and used it's all made on biblical terms. And we can't, we can't turn that away. We can't let that go. Uh, this country is built on religion, on the gods uh, believing in the Lord. And uh, if we lose that, we're gone. 
Yeah, I, I definitely agree. It's it's a struggle, and I think we're at a pinnacle right now. I do too. And so it, it may be a turning point. Uh, we, and, we can only pray. I just pray that it's a turning point uh, where people, you know, turn back uh, to the Lord, or if you don't know Him, turn to Him. Absolutely. Well, Don, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming over. Uh, I know it's not a long drive, but... Uh, oh, gosh, it took me six minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I really do appreciate... Uh, I thank you for your service. Welcome well, home. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and I'm glad to be here. Thank you. I enjoyed it. I really... I really... Uh, I, I've enjoyed your your mentorship over the years that I've known you. I've enjoyed your leadership uh, in the many, many capacities that you've served uh, the church and community and... The, you still serve our community. Uh, you know, Don still keeps us in, in line down here. You know, he makes us do, uh, I don't know what y'all call it in the Army, but in the Navy, it's quarters in the morning yeah. where you got a muster at seven. Right. Right. <laughs> so, uh, but I, I do thank you, and I, I really thank you for your for your spiritual guidance. Well, you know, you're a great uh, example of how we should treat one another. Well, that's nice of you to say, but uh, I think, any any Christian who's honest doesn't feel like he's a, a good can be a good leader for that, and, and you just try try your best. That's right. You know, you're absolutely absolutely right. But thank you for your words. I appreciate. Well, it. Don, I sure appreciate it. I appreciate your service to our country, and you still serve our country. I think uh, those of us who have served know that uh, there's no expiration date on that enlistment. There's no expiration date on that. Never on that. Uh, uh, oath that we took, uh, you know, when we swore in uh, before any of us ever went to boot camp. That's right. And so, again, uh, I thank you for your time, and uh, we'll have you back on the show soon. Oh, boy. Thank you very much. Love you, brother. Love you, too. All right. Well, uh, if you're still uh, with me, I hope you can hear me still fine. Um that was just a great interview with, uh, with Don. Uh, he's an incredible individual, uh, and he's very modest, but, uh, he really is a leader. Uh, men follow him, not because he was, uh, a pilot or not because he was a Colonel Lieutenant Colonel or not because of anything other than he's a good Christian. He's a good Christian man. And he has a lot of wisdom to bestow. And so um, I really appreciate all the support that we're getting. Uh, we're, we're doing 20% off until December 31st with the coffee. Uh, use code capital C as in Charlie, capital L is in Lima, two zero. Uh, I'll put the code in the comments. And uh, if you use that code, you'll get 20% off of anything in the store. Uh, we're roasting tonight. We're roasting just about every other day almost here, seems like. Um, and so get your orders in and um, uh, pray for our country. Pray for those people that are in need. Pray for the people who are sick with COVID. Pray for the people who are sick with cancer and sick with the flu and sick with, um, you know, everything else, uh, you know, we really need to get away from this. Everything is COVID because it's really not. God's got so much more. And uh, although I respect this virus and I wear my mask uh, when I'm supposed to and I don't complain about it, 
and um, uh, God's got my number. He knows exactly the second of the hour that I'm going to die. And if it's going to be by a virus, I could live in a plastic bubble and I would still get the virus. So um, trust in God, obey the civil authorities, but trust in God. Uh, because disobedience to the civil authorities is disobedience to God. And uh, Vody Bachman said that he's a pastor from Houston uh, and he backs it up with scripture. And so um, love each other the way God intended us to love one another. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Look for us next Friday at 1900 when we will have uh, Ashley Williams who is responsible for all of that over there. And uh, he's going to talk to us about coffee. And in case you hadn't figured out the pattern here, we did a pastor the first week. We did a Cobra pilot the second week, and we're going to do the owner of a coffee farm in Honduras uh, next week. And so um, I love you guys. Thank you for all the support. Uh, thank you for all the orders. Uh, we're getting subscriptions now. We're getting orders. We're getting all kinds of stuff coming. It's all a blessing, and I give it all to God. And so um, until next week, uh, pray for one another. Pray for our country. Pray for our leaders. Pray for your local communities and your neighborhoods. Uh, pray for your neighbors and your family. And uh, love you guys. See you next week on God Country Coffee. God bless.